0: Welcome to episode 150 of Fish and Connoisseur Movie. My name's David Feather. You can call me Fish with me as always, my favorite sack of shit.
1: Connor Mc'Duffy, Pooh Head. He's a poo-head, and his name is Connor McDuff. It's me. You're a poo-head. I'm a poo head, I'm a sack of poo. A sack of poo. And... <laughs>
0: I'm going to change it to that. That sounds more insulting. Sack of poo. My favourite
1: sack of poo.
0: I feel like after 150 episodes of calling you a sack of shit, it's it's lost its ring. Now I need to revert to a more primitive form of insult. You're going to mix it up a bit.
1: Yeah, mix it up. Make it something fun for the family, for the kids. It's for the kids.
0: (laughs) Well, Conor McDuff, what a momentous occasion to celebrate Mm. our 150th episode, Ant-Man and the Wasp.
1: Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> what a celebration. Another fucking white bread Marvel film. They've pulled this one out their ass. Shit, where did in this come from? Gaps. I know, right? What a surprise. They're like, oh, Infinity War comes out next year, so uh, fuck it. Ant-Man and the Wasp. There you go. Put that in. That'll do for now. That'll keep him busy. <laughs> but did it keep us busy is the question we're going to answer for you today and by answer that question i mean we're going to tell you our overall thoughts on the film we don't really have a narrative structure to these more so than a film review so fuck you for thinking otherwise
0: i was listening back on our avengers infinity war podcast the other day just yes. to get you know get back into the to the marvel game ant-man was a pretty good movie back in the day like 3 years ago it came out i really enjoyed it i thought paul rudd was pretty cool. I thought it was nice to have a Judd Apatow sort of take on... It wasn't Judd Apatow, but that sort of movie, that sort of comedy on a Marvel movie, and expected this to sort of take it up to the next level. But the other thing that I sort of expected from this movie, as we discussed in our Avengers podcast, was I expected there to be a big explanation for what was going on with Ant-Man while all the Infinity War business was going on, right? I remember we we had some big... Big thoughts of, like, what they could do with this movie. But first, Connor, why don't you tell us what happened?
1: Uh, so we've got this lady and she... Uh, there's a big quantum explosion or some shit. And basically, she all of her molecules t- tear apart and reignite over and over again. So she can phase through stuff. But it's killing her. So she's trying to find Hank Pym's wife, who's still stuck in the quantum realm because she wants to like utilize her brain power or something and like extract it so she can save her own life because she's gonna die really soon. The good guys are gonna stop it. There's a few story strands So you got some random big business dude wants to <laughs> steal all the, the Hank Pym tech and Ant-Man isn't friends with them at the, anymore because <laughs> he went and fought with the Avengers or some shit and now he's on house arrest for two years. Um, and he's about to get off it. Um, look, there's not a lot of stakes in this film. <laughs> really not a lot of stakes. Really insignificant in the in the scale of stakes, especially the, after the, you drop Infinity the big War. The stakes are and then,
0: that Hank Pym will not get to see his wife for another century if they don't get her out at this exact place and time.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, you know, look, you've yeah. got Marvel tech, like, time is irrelevant, Magic can happen get Thor to fucking go into the quantum realm. I'm sure he can deal with it Like there's nothing really stopping this from being fixed later. It's just got that like This is where I'm, this is where I'm gonna start off here. All okay. right, It's where <laughs> I'm gonna go. start off. This movie this movie's story is Just nothing. I don't know if that was intentional because they're like let's not make a superhero film It's still a superhero film. You can't lie to to me, sir. But what you can not do is give me a shit film where, well not a shit film, but a shit story, where nothing happens. Like, this girl's like, I'm gonna find your wife and take her brain. She just wants to extract her and it has the potential to kill her. So, I'm sure like they could have actually just had like a civil discussion about, look, let's get my wife out first and see how this is all gonna play out. Because if there's an issue, you know, maybe we want to go to head with this and we'll find something else out. Even the fucking, even Lawrence Fishburne, Morpheus, who's a bad guy, supposedly, is like, Yo, I think you need to take a step back here, FaZe <laughs> lady. And FaZe lady isn't even a bad guy. She's like, I'm going to take Paul Rudd's kid. And Lawrence Fishburne's like, don't do that. I'm not going to help you. And she goes, all right. And then she threatens, she's like, that's okay. There's other methods. No, you just, you didn't do anything. You just took the skyscraper. You just took the thing, the lab anyway. Like, there's nothing there. There's no stakes. i got scared. Nothing's going to happen. Ant-Man's never in trouble. The only, His fear is, what, probation? Like, his fear is getting, going to prison? It's, like, it's pretty clear it doesn't matter. They'll get him out if they need to. It's bullshit. And then this whole, like, Oh, but the family, like, what about if I won't see my family? But his kid is literally like, yeah, fuck off. I don't care, man. Like, I believe in you. Like, he's got, he's got nothing to worry about. Nothing's gonna go wrong for him. Nothing's ever going this is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. What the fuck? It's stupid. Like, what? It's not, nothing's happening. Oh, I'm gonna find my wife. Yeah, we know you're gonna find your wife. Like, of course you're gonna find her. It's about- the whole movie's about you finding her- your wife, you're gonna find your wife, you dumb bitch. God damn. Of course you're gonna find your fucking wife. And then there's nothing- and she's got superpowers? So even with the problem of this woman potentially dying, the one stake, this woman's gonna die. And she just gets out, and she's like, let me touch your head. And she touches her head and she's fine. And I'm like, well look at that, if you just work together, You wouldn't even need to worry. Because she could touch your fucking head. Jesus Christ.
0: Have you been bottling that up?
1: It's not even bad. It's just nothing. There's nothing there. It's just fucking bucket of grey paint. Like, it's just fucking boring. It's like, whatever. I don't even fucking care. What? I don't care. What's going on? You're not making me care. Where are the stakes?
0: I I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. You know, after... The stakes of Infinity War, this feels like such a step back. I get it, okay, look, they're bringing it back to a relatable level for people who aren't saving the universe, you know what I mean? Like, Ant-Man's a very minor superhero character, so we're getting minor problems, and that's okay. If you want to put weight on them, that's cool. They're trying to, but I don't know if it actually gets there and like you said it's they're not showing me the weight behind it I don't really care about the weight behind like I don't give a fuck about Hank Pym's wife well obviously you've got the opening scene where she goes subatomic or whatever it is I, I just find it very convenient that it's like this time it has to happen right now that they could get her out it feels like there are no rules to the quantum realm so it just feels very convenient for the plot is that that particular thing and the phase chick she's antsy because she's about to disappear basically which they say but i don't really get that feeling if you know what i mean it's not like marty mcfly in back to the future you don't see his family disappearing you don't see his hand going see-through or anything like that nobody understands this science so there's a good chance that she could stick around for a while but like you said if they just worked together, their goals are aligned. They, there really was no reason behind, besides her being antsy, which I do understand, but I feel like they don't play up on that enough.
1: <laughs> I, you know what the saving grace is from this being like an average film instead of a hot cancer piece of garbage is Paul Rudd. Because Paul Rudd is the best goddamn treat Ever. I love him so much I think you love Paul mm-hmm. Rudd too It's hard to hate Paul Rudd you can't But the guy Paul. Like he is just He's so good Like he's really funny And he just brings a, such character to The Marvel franchise Comparative to some other performers It's impressive that he's funny But he's not a copy Or a stereo Like a copycat of The Iron Man smart ass, Like Pretty Boy Or Chris Pratt's you know gunslinger mm. mentality or thor's sort of dumb and pretty paul rudd's got this really cool naivety to him he's really quite naive to s- some stuff there's like an innocence to him he just he just wants to do right he plays off it really well and i think he does a great job of keeping this fucking boring batchet story sort of at least you're watching for him you know like it almost becomes a character piece because mm. you watch you just watch for his zingers and his moments of humor and you're sort of entertained by by what he offers because while it's called ant-man and the wasp and you finally get to see the wasp in action they don't it's not about ant-man and the wasp they don't get any there's no tension there or building of their relationship it's just a a quick reset and they have a couple of one-liners but they don't really do enough together for me to feel like that's what the film's about it just really felt like
0: about ant-man at all All, no it's all hank pym to Hank Pym. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's about Hank Pym and then Hank Pym doesn't really get enough and Hank Pym's kind of an asshole when you start watching it because it just didn't, it, it, should, it, should, it really was a weird film in what it was trying to be, I found.
0: The, the thing is with Paul Rudd and the way he's always been good is he plays the everyman. Like I said before, he's he's littler. He's, he's not important in the world. He's not Tony Stark. He's not a fucking Norse god. <laughs> he's just this dude. He was a thief. You know what I mean? But all he cares about is his daughter. I quite like the relationship he has with his daughter. I like, you know, the opening scene where he's made that awesome fucking tunnel thing. I think they're reiterating the events of Ant-Man 1 from memory or something like that. But it's really cool. They're going through all the all the things and there's a slide that goes down the stairs. And it's just like, man, this guy is killing it as a dad. Because in the first one, he wasn't that good of a dad, right? You can't help but not like him. He's He's a good guy. But... But exactly what you said then, he kind of does nothing in this movie. Like you said, this movie's called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and we don't really get a whole lot about them. Apparently, they were shagging and fighting crime together and stuff before civil war happened and he went into house arrest. But what's happening now? There's no tension between them, really. Like, there's a few scenes where they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. It is very much more about Hank Pym's goal of getting his, his wife back. There's nothing really holding him there besides the parole thing, which this plot is actually complicating you, you brought up in the in the plot summary, there's there's so many little things going on in here. They didn't focus on one thing and make it awesome. they made a bunch of little things and they were kind of all like, oh yeah.
1: It's a really odd film to follow Infinity War to be completely honest. It, it was just sort of boring. It was boring. Nothing was going on. And when there are moments of actual character development, they ignore it. Face ghost, as they just start calling her, of course, mm. ghost, she literally monologues who she is, where she came from, and yeah. what she wants to do yeah. in one... Con- like, literally monologues. And it's so boring. Like, it is just the most mind-numbing shit to listen to. Because who cares? Like... No one cares. You don't you're not watching it and giving a shit. You're just like, okay, to be honest, I didn't need half of it. You could have just said I my parents were killed or just shown it or you know like um, or maybe but, just like have these characters discover these things about her rather than like just they just ignore her. They're just like, "Oh, there's this chick and she's weird." But yeah, they don't yeah. try and find they don't want to know more. They just deal with it when it comes rather than go maybe hank pym has something to do with it you know like mm. just yeah just it's, nonsense there and
0: what are these villains there are no villains like the the real villain is the businessman guy who means nothing like how is he going to step up against you know a guy who can shrink or become giant man and a, and a chick who can fly and phase bitch <laughs> you know what i mean like phase isn't really a villain She's sort of justified in her way, but they don't really make her out to be that desperate. But you know what? The thing that could make up for this and what I came in expecting from this movie and and what I saw in the trailers was comedy and Paul Rudd almost always delivers on that sort of stuff. And what I will say is the start of this movie, it was where I wanted to be. I was laughing a lot. I was having a good time. I was having fun. It was a very different tone to Infinity War, which is okay, because that's, that's the sort of thing that a Paul Rudd-driven movie brings. Michael Peena is fucking hilarious in it, again. I just, like, in fact, I, he's my favorite thing in this whole movie. He needed more to be honest, and they did give him a bit more than they did in the last movie, but they only gave him one of those awesome exposition scenes, you know, where he's like, oh, yeah, and then this guy's all like, whatever. I think I love you, man. (laughs) It's so funny. And whenever he's on screen, I'm just loving it. And the whole um, truth serum sequence. Oh, that sounds like truth serum, man. No, there is no such thing as truth serum. Oh well, but it only just makes you say what you, you the truth basically, and he's like, "What? That's true, serum, man!"
1: <laughs> I just loved it. I think there was some really funny moments, and they and I think they hold quite a way through. My only issue is when you've got no stakes and the story is weak. There, there is it does leave a sour taste. I would argue
0: that the the comedy is pretty patchy through it. Actually, then that's kind of my biggest problem. I oh would, really? I would actually, I would actually forgive most of the shitty storyline and, and weak plot points and stuff if I was laughing more. I laughed a lot at the start. I laughed whenever Michael Pina was doing his thing, but about from about halfway on until the end of the third act, really, I was bored. I wasn't laughing. I was like, there was a few here and there, but not, not as much as I thought and not, not as much as I kind of remember that I got from the first one.
1: You know what? I agree. I actually think you're right. I, I can't really remember anything too funny after the f- the second half. There's one joke that I really did like, which was when he calls his ant to ride on and the seagull eats it. Like, I lost it. I thought it was so funny. He's just in shock. But then they sort of killed the moment because they keep having seagulls eat them. And, and it's sort of like as,
0: as more come as well, you're like, well, why did the other ant? why did this particular yeah that's it i don't
1: know how did this one survive just to push the plot forward you just sort of question what sort of movie it is like he goes giant Mm. and then catches up with the boat and they're like oh you know they see a tail it looks like a whale and you're like ha ha and then he catches the bad guy and he he, you know basically wins with the he gets the the lab back Mm. and he pushes the bad guy over And I was like, why did you not take this opportunity for this guy to like, for Ant-Man to lift him up by his ankle and throw him across the ocean, you know? Like, yeah, like it's such a missed opportunity for what should be a moment of victory. Like he, it was just a bit odd. I think
0: think it's because he's a hero, right? He's not going to throw him out into the ocean and let him drown.
1: Well, it's not going to kill him or it's just, you know, it's like Batman, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to save you, you know, throw him out. Let the, they saw it happen. I'm sure back, someone will rescue swim him. Swim back, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's See, that just an been odd, hilarious. yeah, and, and that would have
0: fit this movie as well in terms of funniness. Like it's like, look at yeah. me, I'm bigger than you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really liked That's... that scene though with him when he got big and was like skating the truck after the. Yeah, that stuff. was cool. Like, that was all pretty cool. But how? But you like, know my in, problem. It, I saw it's...
1: all of this in the trailer. This is the only action in the film, and I saw it in the trailer. Yeah. All of yeah. every, every action scene, even the one with the wasp initially, is in both trailers of the film. Yeah. Which is such, it's so odd. Because, you know, a lot of
0: people are always like, no, all the good stuff in the trailer, you know, and I'm like, yeah, they're using that stuff to bait you in, And this, but this one actually did. I, I've, I've actually got a note here that says all the good stuff was in the trailer. Everything that was in that trailer was the good stuff in this movie. How did you feel, like, so, you know, Ant-Man's stick is that he can shrink. It's the honey I shrunk the kid, uh, kids of this generation. Did you think they were very creative with that sort of stuff in this film?
1: You know what? Actually, I, kinda, I did like how they played with it because they played with it in a different way. So you had like Paul Rudd shrinks to like a child size. Oh, and I yeah, quite that's liked, right. I forgot about that. that I cool. quite liked how creative that was in the lab shrinking. Reg- in regards to the actual concept of like when he shrinks to an ant size, it was sort of skimmed. By like it wasn't really was there it didn't ever really a time have...
0: where he actually went that small
1: What's yeah he goes small a few times weird. I'm pretty sure like maybe I know they, they sort of
0: shrink and then come back in their fight scenes a lot um, oh
1: he jumps no because he flies Anton or one uh, of those of course, ants yeah, around yeah. but it's not yeah there's never a moment where it's used to like his benefit excessively you know like he's never does it a lot I
0: I really like movies where we we shrink to such a small size that it's like almost a whole different world. I like playing with the perspective and things like that, and I just feel like they didn't really do that that much in this one, and they resorted to a lot of where it was just like, oh, look, she shrunk and then got big, so she did a bigger punch. That's not really that interesting. I'm actually more interested watching Ant-Man run up the, the barrel of a gun and then punching someone. It's like the giant stuff was fun because obviously that's his new thing now. He can get big. But the stuff I did like was the, the shrinking lab and the little Hot Wheels, you know, toy case. And it's like, pick your car, you can break it out and then make it big if you want it. That, like, that was all very cool, but just not as creative as I felt like the first one was.
1: It's more of it felt like It felt like an addition for the sake of it being an Ant-Man film. Like, we have to have things shrink because it's Ant-Man. Yeah, Rather yeah, than that's right. Utilizing it as a way to push the narrative, and they sort of try to where Ant Man's suit screws up, but it's never to his detriment. Like it's more of just like a, again this mild inconvenience that it happens occasionally that his new suit has issues, mm. and like he's you know he's he's like a child in the school, and that's actually quite funny. Yeah, but he's yeah. got he's got the Wasp next to him who can do anything he can't do anyway. So any sort of Tension is so short lived. Again, it's a lack of stakes. If they just took the wasp out, you know, maybe the wasp is fighting someone or has to deal with a real dangerous situation with the ghost. And Paul Rudd's is is equal, you know, the the stakes are equal, and all he has to do is get a bag, and he's too small. There's no character to it, there's no charm. It was just, well, it was charm. There's definitely charm.
0: Yeah, there's. That's just not. Uh, it's it's hard to get behind the charm and the heart when there isn't. They're not working for it, and like you were saying, I, I, there was never a second where I didn't think they were going to get the wife out. And I honestly, I didn't really care if they did because <laughs> I didn't have. I didn't care about her. That's the that's the problem. Like I, I can see that Hank Pym cares about her, and you know, there's some there's some emotion behind um, Wasp wanting to get her out as well, and. Yeah, that's okay. it's okay. It's a family thing, but it just, yeah, the weight was just never there. When she does come out, it just seems so easy. It was like, oh, you found her, jump in the car, let's go. She <laughs> touches head, yeah, And then she could just touch face.
1: One of the things Lawrence Fishburne says is she's a really good scientist. She can figure something out. And when I heard that and then saw the end where she touches her head, I'm like, well, that's just, that's really quite disappointing. Yeah. For a film that's trying to keep itself grounded, you could have had a moment where this woman comes back into her husband's life, one of the greatest minds. You can show how important she is to him and how important she is and how great she is by having her and him actually work together to discover a way to fix her. My knowledge in that place has taught me this. Comes up with an algorithm and they implement it and it's game changing. And you see Hank Pym and her work together and you see their relationship more, you see the whole reason she's there. Not this magic touch shit because that could have been anyone. That could have been fucking anyone.
0: I imagined they would come out because they're in a lab and FaZe comes in and is like, hey, I need help. And, and she's like, yes, I can help you. And Hank Pym's all like, but baby, I want to be with you for a little while. Let's just take a moment. And, she, and he's, she's like, no, you know, all business. But then you see them working together in the lab doing that thing and, they, and they're just gelling and then killing it and just, and they... They figure it out really quickly because that's how fucking good they are together.
1: They are the original Ant-Man and the Wasp. I want to see the dynamic of the two of them being that power power couple. And much like the current Ant-Man and the Wasp, there is no dynamic in that power couple because we don't get to see anything. Like, even if Ghost died, no one would care. She's basically been posed as... She is the antagonist, essentially, in this film. So if she was to die it's not even bittersweet. It's just like slightly disappointing because you go, oh, all right, like she's a bit of a dick the whole time anyway. That's yeah. kind of fucked up but whatever. Whereas if, you, if we saw this character who is driven to madness and we see that in the film that she take, starts taking more and more risks the more the film goes on because she needs to survive, then mm. you sort of want her almost to win. Yeah. You sort of, or you almost want her to, like maybe she tries to kill... Someone. Maybe that's all you need because she doesn't. But if she just made the attempt or starts killing people, you can see how far she has to go. And I think the problem they had was they were too scared to have her go that way because they thought if she starts killing people, then there's there's no, like, how can we redeem that? But I think really, like, no, I wouldn't have a problem personally yeah. if she if she started killing people. It's okay for her to be an antihero, and she goes full antihero anyway. At the end, she just they, she doesn't hang out with Ant Man and stuff. She goes, "All right, I got it." She runs off, and Lawrence Fishburne is like, "I'm coming with you. I don't care," you know. Mm. And that moment, I'm like, imagine if she was actually an antihero, then that moment would mean so much more. Like Lawrence Fishburne is saying, "I know you've done horrible, horrible things." And as an audience, we see them and you go, wow, that is love, isn't it? Like, that's a better moment. And all they did, again, the only reason we don't feel that is because there's no steaks. There's no steaks. It's, there's no meat in this film. They did not go to Coles and get a good deal on bulk <laughs> steak. They have instead tried to feed us fucking vegan patties. And they've tried to convince us they're beef and they're fucking not. We know they're not. We know it's Tofu. We've known it's Tofu the whole time. Well, I think I think we've got to end on um,
0: the only thing that actually is significant to a, the Avengers film. Oh, the yeah. last 30
1: seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe this was the time that they would give us what we wanted, but no, they didn't. Now they're all working together. The Pims are there. Ant-Man's there. Uh, he's gone into the quantum realm to harvest some more quantum energy. While he's in there, the, the Reckoning, it's not the Reckoning, it's some, the, uh, fuck, what was it? Anyway, that happens, and it so happens that the pins are all disappeared. Ant-Man is caught in the Quantum Realm, not for the events of Avengers, because that would have all been happening in the events leading up to them going back to get, to harvest the Quantum Energy, but he has nothing to do with it, he doesn't get a call from anyone, he just... like what and this is this is what we want from a universe why wouldn't they do that especially leading up to their biggest movie uh, sorry leading off from their biggest movie but anyway i think that leaves us to my favorite segment the good the bad and the ugly
1: good uh, me it's me it's always me first i always forget the good for me would have to be paul rudd's comedic prowess that's probably the thing i would say was the most enjoyable on screen what is your good Hello. sir
0: okay my good would have to be michael Pena. like every time that guy is on screen i am laughing he is so goddamn funny in fact i'd like
1: to see a whole movie just about that guy My bad would have to be the lack of story throughout this. I thought it was pretty disappointing, to be entirely honest. I would have to say that it's just not funny enough. I
0: thought it was going to be a lot funnier. Like I said, Michael Pean is my good, and he's barely in the film. Also the stakes. Yeah, there's just no stakes.
1: My ugly would have to be Ghost Girl. Not a big fan of her, thought she was pretty rubbish. Not really anything going on there besides the usual Marvel crap. They can't get it right. They got Thanos right, and even then, you know.
0: And my ugly would have to be uh, that I just wish there was a bigger connection to Infinity War. This is a dropped ball, a missed opportunity for Marvel to really connect this universe again. And there's just nothing going on here. But anyway, what are your final thoughts, Connor?
1: Pretty basic film in every way. Stale story, stale characters, nothing really going on that's special. The only real saving grace is Paul Rudd. And even then, when you've got so much lacking in every other department, you can't maintain a character like that. It needs a good story. It needs some good stakes. And I need to see these characters actually be fighting for something. It doesn't have to be life or death. It just has to be for something that matters. And on top of that... If it's for something so small like this, show me what they're going to do for that. Like, what their actions need to relate, you know, in regards to what they the ratio needs to be there. They can't be superheroes fighting for insignificant things, but then what they're doing isn't insignificant. They're like, uh, I don't know. It's strange. I'm giving it a two out of five. I didn't hate this movie.
0: But I didn't really like it either. I expected a lot more from it. Like I said, I had, I had a lot of expectations in terms of the connection to Infinity War. But all that aside, I expected it to be funny and fun. And it's sort of funny. It's sort of fun. But everything that was funny and fun was in the trailer. So there was nothing new in this movie. And I was just kind of bored. <laughs> and that's really... I'm really surprised because I, th- I really thought I'd like this one and I expected a lot more. The whole, the whole no stakes thing, a lot of the weak plot lines, it just comes together to make a pretty goddamn average movie. So I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. For our next review, we actually have no idea what we're going to review. I think we should put it out to the listeners. Listeners, get on the Facebook, tell us what you want us to talk about. And this will be a bit of a test to see how many people listen this far into the podcast. Because if you have listened this far, you better be replying on the Facebook because you're a real fan. Thanks, guys. Excellent.
1: Well, look, it's been fun. I hope you've been good. I'm glad we've done this together. Uh, stay safe drink lots of water and we'll see you when we see you follow us on itunes podbean stitcher and not soundcloud because we don't do that anymore thank you so much have a good day and play the music fish thank you for listening to another episode of fish and connoisseur movie podcast Fish and Connoisseur Movie does not own any rights to the film Am Ann and the Wasp, its soundtrack, and no copyright infringement is intended. The track It Takes Two is performed by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. The track The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly titles is performed and composed by Ennio Morricone. So